Thanks for listening to the Thyroid Fixer podcast with your host, me, Dr. Amy Horneman, aka The Thyroid Fixer. Also, functional medicine practitioner, hormone and weight loss expert. We're talking all things thyroid, hormone, and health-related in order to empower, educate, and transform you. Remember, I fix your thyroid, I fix your hormones, I fix your life. So let's get started. You all know more than anything, I love your questions. I would rather take your questions, you guys listening to this day in and day out, any day of the week, then interview someone. I mean, unless it's a really super amazing interview, I've had some really good guests on, but honestly, more than anything, I love, love your questions because in that way we get to cover such a wide variety of topics and we get to hit on so many different points, be it thyroid or hormones or weight or cortisol or stress. So that's what we are going to do today. So these are straight from my Girl Fix Your Thyroid group, which being a member of that Facebook group, I know many of you are not on Facebook, but I'm going to tell you maybe just, you know, do an account with like, you know, get your porn name on, right? So that is your street that you grew up on. No, your first dog's name plus the street you grew up on, right? Just join Facebook with that and you'll be good to go. So mine would be Pokey Summer. So Pokey Summer will be on the Girl Fix Your Thyroid Facebook group. And nobody else has to know that I'm there in the Facebook land. But being in there gets you first access to ask questions like we are doing today. And you can be part of the Thyroid Fixer podcast. So it makes it kind of fun. Plus, you can also post your labs. I am in there at least every day. I try to get in there every day. But if I'm not in there, the members of the Girl Fix Your Thyroid Facebook group who have already gone through the journey, become educated, become more optimized, they are also in there answering. So there are many times where I'll go to answer a question and a member of the group or one of my health coaches have already been in there and answered it to a T, like perfection, exactly how I would answer it as well. So it's a great place to be. It's a great place to be a part of this podcast. And then you can get your questions answered live and get a lot more feedback, especially when you post your labs. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. All right, let's dive into this. And actually... This isn't even a question that you guys posted, but this is a question that I get a lot of, and I really, really wanted to cover it in one of the podcasts. Obviously, it's not enough to do a whole podcast, but I want to cover it in this one. 
the fillers in certain medications. Now, let's break this down one by one. If we're talking T4, we have generic levo, can go under a couple of different names, but in general, we're going to say generic levothyroxine. Then we have brand synthroid. And then one step up from that, we have tyrosine. And then above that, we have tyrosine soul. So tyrosine soul is a liquid gel cap. Tyrosine's a liquid gel cap as well. Tyrosine soul, I believe is actually, it might not even be in a gel cap form. I have zero patients on it, but it has no fillers, no additives, nothing in it whatsoever. And then tyrosine is basically without fillers as well. It's as close to a compounded version of T4 that you can get. No added fillers at all. Then when you go down into Synthroid and comparing that with Levo, the data that we have from, I mean, this is probably going back about six, seven years. The data that we have from about six, seven years ago is that Synthroid contains less fillers than does the generic form of T4. Now, here's where we have to kind of break this down, regardless of what medication we're talking about. You as an individual may react or respond totally differently to a minuscule speck of a filler than does Susie Q over here, who is taking the same medication. So let's take you and Susie. You and Susie are both taking Levo. You both have Hashimoto's. You both have an autoimmune condition. You both have maybe a slightly elevated histamine response because you have Hashimoto's, which means you might get a little bit more allergies. You tend to react to foods. You have a lot of food sensitivities. So you both are identical in those realms. Except you, when you take Levo, you just don't feel right. Maybe your hair falls out significantly more. And you know this because you have actually gone off of your Levo. You have used something like a Synthroid or a Tyrosin in the past. And then let's say your insurance stopped covering it. So you actually had to go back to Levo. And you can notice a marked difference being on brand Synthroid or Tyrosin or Tyrosin Soul than what you experienced when you were on generic T4 or Levo. So you can actually notate specific symptoms that occur when you are on the generic versus when you are on the brand. And you've done this back and forth at least once, going onto the brand, coming off of it, going back on the generic to know that, hey, when I am on the generic, I lose hair, I break out in hives, I just don't feel well. When I take it out, I feel better. Now, I'm not talking about removing T4 completely and going T3 only. I mean, take it out as in change from Levo to the brand, one of the brands. Where I see people fall and falter sometimes is when they get sucked into reading a blog or listening to a podcast or seeing this on a Facebook group that they absolutely should be using brand. Now, in general, when we're talking T4, if your insurance covers it, yeah, I mean, would love to use Synthroid. But if your insurance doesn't cover it, are we going to ding you with a super high monthly bill for Synthroid when in fact Levo might do the trick for you? You don't know until you try. 
The reality is those fillers that are in the generic form of T4, they're in a microscopic amount. I mean, literally the size of like a fire ant. Now, if you're celiac, if you have celiac, can you have a microscopic amount of gluten? No, no, you can't. And you have to go that extra mile and only use medications that do not contain gluten at all. No gluten is used as a filler, period, end of story. But if you're not celiac, would that microscopic amount affect you? Maybe, maybe not. We just don't know. We just really don't know until you try. I hate to see patients pay extra because I'm very frugal. I'm very frugal. Those of you who work with me, you know that I'm really super frugal with things. I don't order additional functional tests if you don't need them. I don't put you on 50 million supplements. Very, very frugal. Because money is important, right? We want to spend it on the things that are actually going to help us, on supplements that work, on supplements that we need, that we can see that we need in our labs. And we certainly don't want to be paying more for medication than what we have to. Big Pharma gets enough of our money, right? Let's save some of it if we can. So if you absolutely need to, in the case of celiac disease or a very sensitive situation with autoimmune where you are sensitive to everything, then you might have to pay the extra and do something like a brand synthroid or go all the way to tyrosine. But if that is not you, you might get away with Levo. You might be just fine paying that $10 copay per month and you will tolerate Levo just fine. Now, in me saying that, am I by any means saying that you will do well on T4 only? No, absolutely not. Remember, we already know the stats to that. And I repeated this in multiple podcasts, but 2% of the population does well on T4 only. 98% does well on T4 and T3. So when I'm talking about T4, I am talking about it in the context of being paired up with T3, which is going to be our next topic. So T3, when we look at that, we have Cytomel, which is brand, and we have Lyothyronine, which is generic. And then whenever we're talking about the generic, it's important to note there are multiple manufacturers of those generic medications. So there could be as many as five to 10 manufacturers of Levo or of Lyothyronine. Lyothyronine, I know off the top of my head of at least four to five. Those are the different generic manufacturers, and you could respond differently to the different manufacturers as well. But for this purpose, for this topic, I am just talking about the fillers in those. So when we're looking at T3, this is where it changes up. This is where there is, ironically, more fillers in the brand Cytomel than in Lyothyronine of most manufacturers. And this is where it doesn't pay to pay. It does not benefit you to pay more for the Cytomel. Many people think that because it's brand, you know, just like all y'all are dropping a couple grand on Louis Vuitton purses. You're crazy. Well, listen, if that's your thing, that's your thing. It's not my thing. So if you're going for the brand name and the brand marking, don't go for brand when it comes to T3. Just get the generic, save yourself some cash and save yourself some filler because you're going to be getting less filler in the lyothyronine than you are in the brand Cytomel. Now we're moving on to the NDT. So this is your armor thyroid, your NP thyroid, 
I mean, Nature Thread used to be in the mix. It is no longer. I think we still have some WP floating around. And of those natural desiccated thyroid medications, there is also minuscule amounts of filler. And again, will you react to it? Will you tolerate it? One thing that you have to remember with all of these medications is sometimes the filler is there as a stabilizer. I know in my fixer line of supplements, we have gotten many, many questions about the use of certain fillers. And they are, again, in a minuscule amount, the size of a fire ant, and they're just, they're in the product. They might be in your medication, in your NDT, in your Lyo, in your Levo to stabilize it, whether it's in a capsule form, which really needs some stabilization because you are mixing raw ingredients in a capsule form. And you want to make sure that everything going into those capsules are balanced out. And sometimes it takes number one, a stabilizer so that they don't clump together and solidify and become hard as a rock and then not break down in your body. Sometimes it's to preserve it so that it will last actually six months to a year on the shelf as a stabilizer. And sometimes it's for the purposes of, like I said, actually filling those capsules. If we were to compound you, let me use the compounding formulation. If we were to compound you T4 and T3, and we sent it off to the compounding pharmacy and we said, we want one grain. So we want roughly 38 micrograms of T4 and roughly nine micrograms of T3, which is in one grain of armor. In that, we also know that there's a little bit of T1 and T2, and there's also some stabilizers in there to fill that capsule. And that's to make sure that the pharmacist or in the case of supplements, the machine can properly fill the capsule and that each capsule contains the proper amount of active ingredients as well. I know there's a whole manufacturing side of things on the back and that a lot of people don't understand. And sometimes those stabilizers have to be in place to stabilize your medication, to stabilize that supplement. So it's not something to really worry about and it's not something that 99.9% .9 of you will react to but there will be that small percentage of people that do react, that absolutely do react and they need a shift, they need a change. That's why I often say many of you on Armour Thyroid will do better on NP. Some of you on NP will do better on Armour. And some of you don't do well on NDT medication at all. And we have to change you over to a T4, T3 combination. So yeah, we can say, you know, sometimes it's the fillers, sometimes it's not. My message in answering that question is don't get too hung up on the fillers. You might not react to them. If you do, there's always another option. There's always something else that we can do. But for the interest of money, don't freak out about the fillers too much. All right, moving on to more of your questions, which I absolutely love, 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 love. We have one from Alicia. She says, hey, Dr. Amy, I'm postmenopausal gal, 54, take an oral estradiol, one mig for about three years. Just had hormones tested through Alta Labs. FSH is 74, which that is indicative follicle-stimulating hormone. When it starts to climb above a 20 and 25, that's where we start to see the menopausal weight gain, just for all you ladies out there. And FSH is one that we do test, FSH and LH, to see if you are moving into perimenopause and menopause. And when that starts to go high, 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 the only thing that brings down FSH is estradiol. 
Now, I am not a fan nor many of my counterparts of oral estradiol because it is the oral form of estradiol that has been connected with an increased risk of breast cancer. We know that the patch form and the topical form are not, but the oral estradiol form is. And any kind of estrogen therapy, any kind of bioidentical estrogen therapy should never be done unopposed, meaning there should always be progesterone on board when you are taking estradiol. So right off the bat, I haven't even gotten into her question yet, but we do see that the oral estradiol is a problem, bing, number one. And we see that that FSH is very, very high and that estradiol is not quite bringing it down. Of course, I don't know where her FSH started. Maybe it started at 200, right? And she's been on this for three years and now it's finally down to a 74, but I question that. Her total estrogen is 238 and estradiol is less than 15. So what that tells us is that if your total estrogen is 238, estrogen is made up of three different, total estrogen is made up of three different estrogens. So we have estradiol, we have estriol, and we have esterone. Estradiol is the most important. That is what protects our bones, protects our brain, protects our heart as we age. Estradiol comes in and gives us that youthful estrogen that pumps our skin, that's a building block for collagen, that helps with vaginal dryness and vaginal atrophy, that helps with not getting that old lady voice. It helps with our hair. And estradiol in general, for that bone, brain, and heart protection, we want it above a 50, but we actually do want it a little bit higher than that. If your total estrogen is 238 and your estradiol is less than 15, and we know that estriol is really only high during pregnancy, then this is telling me that you have a large amount of estrone which is, we will never call an estrogen bad, but we don't want to have higher levels of estrone than we do estradiol. We want estrone to kind of be not at zero, but we want it to be less than the estradiol and just kind of hanging out because estrone, high amounts of that, then we are starting to kind of look at pushing down that, that pathway that could cause DNA damage, that could be a little bit more cancer causing. And again, by no means am I saying that bioidentical hormone replacement causes cancer. It doesn't. Because if it did, we would see a lot of 14 and 15 year olds with cancer. I say that over and over again. But what we want is the perfect balance. We want you to be replacing your hormones with proper hormone replacement therapy. We want it in the right delivery method, not oral. We want it to be paired up with progesterone. We want you to do this the right way so that you are replacing those hormones that are no longer being properly made by your body, but in a way that is going to protect you and extend your longevity and improve your health overall. We don't want you just doing this willy-nilly. And it seems like you're a little bit willy-nilly right now, not by you, Alicia, but whoever is guiding you in this, I'm not really feeling like they know what they're doing. I'm just not feeling it, girl. Your progesterone is in the toilet. It's less than 0.5. And you did not in any place on here tell me that you are taking progesterone, which is a no-no when you are on estradiol. Total testosterone was only 14. You just got on test injections about two weeks ago. 
feeling a little bit better, right? But how do you get your estrogen down is your main question. Side note, you are clearing up your diet. So cleaning up your diet, which is awesome. You want to take those estrogenic foods out for sure. And you want to reduce your exposure to xenoestrogens like plastics, microwaving and plastic, the hormones in our meat, the body wash, the body lotion that you're using. You want to change all of those because of the endocrine disruptors and the toxins that are found in our body products, our makeup, our skincare, our hair care, all of that. And then of course, in our day-to-day things like a water bottle, you know, get a stainless steel one, right? Don't be drinking out of plastic, even BPA-free. You want to do all of those things. And then yes, you absolutely can add in estrogen fixer. That's going to help, but girl, we got to do a lot more than that. We have to do all the things that I just talked about. So where, you know, where's the progesterone that should be coming in. We got to change up that, that oral estradiol. That's horrible. And we need to do things the right way to get that FSH down, get the progesterone up, get the estradiol up, get the testosterone up as well. So see your question just opened up a whole can of worms. And I went down a bunch of different rabbit holes that you weren't even asking, but that are so pertinent to what you put in your question. So I thank you for that. And so does everybody else listening. Jennifer says, I'm looking at starting hormone fixer to boost my testosterone. Will I need to retest all of my hormones after taking this for a while? Or will it not drastically raise my testosterone? Last labs, it was 24. Also, if you have a slightly elevated SHBG, what should you look at next as to why it's elevated? Okay, so... Let me start with the SHBG, Jennifer. So SHBG will rise when you are taking specifically estradiol and oral estradiol. So going back to Alicia's question, Alicia, your SHBG is probably sky high. So you're probably going to want to add in bedroom fixer, formerly known as SHBG fixer, because that will help to lower it and it will release some of the testosterone and estradiol that is bound to that SHBG. So if your SHBG is elevated, what's pushing it up? It could be estrogen therapy. It could be testosterone therapy. It could be T3. Those are the big hormones that push up SHBG. In addition, too low of a protein diet, too low of a low carbohydrate diet. So if you're doing keto and you're doing it day in, day out, if you're doing carnivore and you're doing it day in, day out, you're not giving yourself a break, that can push up SHBG. So you want to look at the things that will make it go up and change what you can. But obviously we're not going to take out those vital hormones like T3, testosterone, and estradiol. We're not going to take them out. We want those in the mix to give you life and to reduce your symptoms. We're just going to work on putting a cap on that SHBG with bedroom fixer. We're going to put a cap on that. So that's going to come in and help push it and keep it maybe from going to 200. So we might not bring it down because again, if you're doing the things that push it up and you put that cap on it, you might not push it down into the optimal range, but you are going to help keep it from going sky high. Now, Jennifer, your first question, will hormone fix or boost your testosterone to where you have to recheck? Yeah, it will. I have had some women raise their testosterone naturally just through using hormone fixer by 20 and 30 points over a couple of months. So hormones generally, whether you are doing prescribed hormones, injectable, supplemental, 
hormones in general take about 90 days to move and shift. So you really want to give yourself time to notice that level come up. Now at a 24, you could get a really nice increase naturally. And at the same time, you might have to have your prescriber add in a cream or an injectable to kind of push you over. But if you're not in the place where you have a prescriber that will do that, starting with hormone fixer is absolutely the way to go to increase your testosterone naturally, because you're also going to get the benefits of increased growth hormone from the Tonkatalee. That little bit of Tonkatalee in hormone fixer will also help with your SHBG. The salt palmetto in there will help with that conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone or DHT. That's a pathway we don't want you to go down because that results in hair loss and acne. So that saw palmetto actually helps block that conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone. And that helps tremendously as well. Miss Renee, hypothyroidism and joint pain, swelling and painful. What's the best supplement? So that is one of those joint pain, joint swelling. One of those symptoms that it's kind of surprising that it goes with hypothyroidism because many of you who have it, who have that joint pain, you're already thinking that it's related to something else. Now, Renee has heard me talk enough that she knows that, hey, this is related to hypothyroidism. And she may have heard my story about my friend slash executive assistant who started as a patient and shared with me after the fact, after we started optimizing her, that, hey, her joint pain got better. And she actually noticed it more in her hands and her ability to hold a pen, her ability to work with her hands, her joint pain got significantly better. So that was the Hashimoto's. And again, just like we said, she related it to something else, overuse, using the computer, writing, you just overuse of your hands. Of course, you're going to think like, oh, this is just an injury. I've used it too much. My joints are just swollen and inflamed. Oh, well. Or many of you might even think that it's rheumatoid arthritis, which is another autoimmune condition. And we know that autoimmune begets autoimmune. So where we see one, we see more than one. Could having Hashimoto's result in rheumatoid arthritis? Yeah, it absolutely can. That's why we tell you to go gluten-free. That's why we tell you to get your thyroid optimized because if you don't, you move into those latter stages of Hashimoto's, it can go into other autoimmune conditions like RA. So yeah, it could be RA as well. Now, what supplements to use for that? My absolute favorite supplement for joint pain, swelling, inflammation, even high C-reactive protein is C60. C60 Purple Power, which I have, I carry it on my website. I carry very few other lines on my site outside of the fixer line, unless they're something that is just so kick-ass that there is no way in hell I will even try to replicate. And C60 is one of them. So C60, if you want to go to whatisc60.org, this is a really fascinating website that will let you go down many different rabbit holes because it will actually show the studies used in connecting C60 to whatever that study showed. Okay, so let me get into this really quick. C60 plus longevity, we actually see that C60's ability to reduce age-associated oxidative stress, C60 extends the lifespan of mice, C60 plus aging. This was a double-blind study done on humans and was the first human study showing the health benefits of topically applying C60. 
on wrinkles. It promotes hair growth. It also promotes collagen production and hair growth when you take it internally as well. Scavenger of free radicals, immune response, inflammatory allergic response, cognitive function, antimicrobial properties, UV damage, and other ionizing radiation, metabolism and weight, nerves, bones, and joints. So what we found with the bones and joints, C60 protected cartilage cells from aging prematurely or dying off and increased cartilage production by reducing the enzymes that can destroy it. We also see a huge reduction in DNA damage. We see a reduction in toxicity. We see a reduction in the C-reactive protein as well from C60. So I just wanted to throw that in because you asked about supplements. That is by far my favorite. I mean, beyond any curcumin or turmeric, C60 is far and above for joint pain and swelling. Alana, what if you can't tolerate LDN because of the emotionality? It was real, but when you don't take it, your hands and your ankles and lower tummy bloat and swell. Is black cumin seed oil enough? Or could the inflammation be a sign of something else? Like your hormones are off or your insulin is high. So I'm going to say yes to all of the above. Is black cumin seed oil enough? I believe so, yes, because the studies that I've done on black cumin seed, which is the in Hashimoto's fixer, point to actually it being better than the LDN. There are way more benefits tied to black cumin seed oil than to LDN. And I know we tend to go in our minds, which most of the time, 90% of the time, I would agree that the prescribed medication slash hormone is better. If you say, hey, what's better? Taking T4 and T3 or taking a supplement that helps with conversion and it has magnesium and selenium and iodine in it. I would say, well, taking T4 and T3 because then we can target those hormones. In the case of LDN and black cumin seed, I'm actually voting for the supplement being better the over-the-counter option being better than the prescription option, even though LDN is compounded, it is still a drug because the benefits tied to black cumin seed are larger, longer. The list is huge as compared to LDN. So far outweighs it. Now the inflammation, if, if you are getting that immediate hands, ankles, and lower tummy swelling. So the hands and the ankles, we think extremities. So we think, you know, edema, we want to check circulation, obviously, but the lower tummy is more digestion. It, it seems like we're talking about two different things, although according to Ilana, they are happening at the same time when you don't take LDN. So what's really going on? Well, number one, we obviously want to check the circulation component. We want to check to see what is happening that you swell so badly. And of course, we do want to make sure that your thyroid is completely optimized as well, because if you're taking the LDN, you're probably taking it for Hashimoto's. So my next question would be, is your thyroid optimized? Where's your reverse T3? Where's your free T3? Let's get that under control. And to answer your question, 100%, we have to look at hormones. We have to look at insulin because high insulin levels or dysregulated glucose levels will cause water retention as well. 
But when we're talking about that lower belly bloat, that points more to digestion to me. Now, what is the tie-in of stopping LDN? I honestly don't know because there's no benefit digestive-wise that you get from LDN. With Hashimoto's, we know that you're going to be low in betaine hydrochloric acid. Most Hashimoto patients are. They're low in betaine HCL. So by adding in betaine HCL, by adding in digestive enzymes, and this is all what I put in my digest fixer too, by the way. And I don't mean this Q&A to be like, Here's a supplement for this. Here's a supplement for that. But here's a supplement for that. In my digest fixer, there is HCL, ox bile to support your gallbladder and all of the enzymes to break down proteins, carbs, and fats. It just is. And we see significant reduction in bloat when we start adding this in. I mean, I myself literally thought I lost 10 pounds when I added in a digestive enzyme every day and not willy-nilly not just taking it when my stomach felt bad, but actually adding it, adding it in every single day with every meal, it felt like I lost 10 pounds because all that bloat, even like the sideways bloat ladies. So these are for the ladies that lose your waistline. When you eat anything, you bloat out sideways instead of front ways, significantly helped, significantly. So when you add in digestive enzyme, that alone could help with that bloating and swelling. I can't necessarily tie that to not taking LDN. I would need more information there, but hopefully that answer at least kicks you off in the right direction. And here's the question of all questions that we actually don't have an answer to. When will medical schools learn how to properly teach thyroid health? Beautiful question, Mary. That's the million dollar question right there. I'm going to say it's not going to happen because we don't see any moves in that direction right now. It's not like they started to open up and teach about T4 and T3. I mean, we have Antonio Bianco, which I have read through his book. Uh, what's it called? He sent it to me, Reversing Hashimoto's, I think, Reversing Hypothyroidism revising hypothyroidism. I apologize. I have to look. I actually very much love and respect him as a researcher. He does tend to rely on the TSH a little bit more than I would agree with. And in hearing him talk, you will also hear that he is a proponent of T4 only, but he is a medical doctor researcher that at least has opened his mind and looks at the importance of T3 you know, gives it love and recognition, but still in interviews that I've heard him in say, I've heard him say that, well, you know, most people do perfectly fine on T4 only. No, that's not true. No, that's not true. So if we have an open-minded researcher still with one foot in the TSH realm, one foot in the T4 only working kind of realm, I don't really have much hope for medical schools opening up their minds and their their plan to include more time and more functional information on the thyroid. Because we have to remember who's who's paying. Follow the money trail with anything in this life. Follow the money trail with the last two years. Follow the money trail, right? If Synthroid just dropped a $10 million grant for LECOM Medical School and said, you know, to the president of LECOM, 
you know, just so we're clear as I'm writing this check, you know that Synthroid pretty much does it all. I mean, that's really all you need. You know, if TSH is above a 4.5, you teach your doctors to give Synthroid, right? Yeah. Do you want $10 million? Yeah, Synthroid is the best. Wink, wink. And this is not confirmed, but it doesn't take really a rocket science to see what's been going on with big pharma lately to break that all down and say, well, yeah, of course that's happening. I mean, you get nudges in your online portal to talk to your doctor about a statin. We know that doctors get kickbacks for the prescriptions that they write. We know that they have they have markers and quotas of de- antidepressants and statins that they have to reach. That's why you might get a discussion about going on a statin when you don't even need it because you know it's the 19th and I only have 10 more days in the month to fill my quota of statins. So I don't know. Mary Jane, you look like you need a statin, don't you? I'm going down too many rabbit holes, aren't I? I need to reel it in. But yes, to answer your question, million dollar question, Mary, I don't see it happening because there's there's too many factors in what makes a medical school go round. And they have not yet emphasized or even noticed the importance of thyroid treatment and how many diseases it could help. What if we optimize? people's thyroid? What if we optimize every single human being's thyroid? How many less antidepressants, statins, blood pressure medications, and sleeping pills would we see written? So there goes big pharma. There goes big pharma if you actually optimize someone's thyroid. And God forbid you do their hormones too. Why do you think it's almost, it's not impossible to get testosterone, but why do you think they're making it so hard? Why do you think the DEA, many of you don't know this because we've just been watching this behind the scenes for months. Why do you think the DEA proposed that every single person needing testosterone replacement therapy be required to be seen in person every 30 days? That's actually impossible for any practice to do. And it's impossible in the world of telehealth for you to do because what if your prescriber is out of state? Are you going to fly to that state once every 30 days? Now, this is not going through because it's absolutely ridiculous. But if you look at the why behind that theory, if you look at the why behind that proposal from the DEA, the real true, you want to talk root cause looking, the real true root cause of that is because testosterone improves the body. So there goes your statins, there goes your blood pressure medications, there goes any kind of heart medication because testosterone is so cardiovascularly protective. Maybe we see a reduction in Viagra as well for the guys. Maybe we see a reduction of antidepressants across both sexes with testosterone because it definitely improves mood. Testosterone lowers Hashimoto antibodies. It improves your immune system. What if we had everyone optimized with their thyroid and let's just take testosterone. Let's even use leave the other two hormones off to the side because it's relatively easy to get estradiol and progesterone now until they figure out the benefits of that. Let's just take testosterone and let's optimize your thyroid. 
and how many medications would no longer need to be prescribed. We're probably talking billions of dollars lost because your thyroid and your hormones, we'll say all hormones, are optimized. So that's the real answer, Mary. And because of that answer, I'm going to say never. Okay, what is the best way to lower reverse T3? Also, can starting on a low dose of estradiol cream along with progesterone affect the thyroid? So I'll answer the last question first. Estradiol cream and progesterone will not affect the thyroid except to possibly help improve. Now, testosterone has a more direct effect on the thyroid in improving, just like we said, and lowering Hashimoto antibodies, improving the immune system and lowering inflammation. But anytime you improve estradiol and your progesterone, you're going to have an indirect effect on the thyroid. So you're going to lower the stress response, improve cortisol function, improve insulin. I mean, it has so many, so many effects on the body that in a roundabout way, you're going to see improvement. Now, that doesn't mean that you can just take estradiol and progesterone cream and not take thyroid medication or not pay attention to optimizing your thyroid. No, you still have to do that but it is going to have a, a roundabout way of improving your thyroid. Lowering reverse T3, you want to find out first what the cause is. So one of the main causes of elevated reverse T3 is too much T4 medication. These are the people that I see over and over again, and they keep having their T4 medication increased. So they'll go from 50 to 88 to 112. They'll keep climbing, climbing, climbing. And their doctors just keep throwing on more and more and more T4. And there goes that reverse up, 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 up. I just saw a new patient's labs today. She was wondering what she can do between now and the time that we're actually going to meet with her for her first consultation. And her reverse T3 was a 24. My answer was to take that Synthroid, that T4, that Levo, take that T4 medication that your doctor has just been increasing all of these years and cut it in half and then add in T3. She was already on a baby dose of T3 because we know docs that give T3 only like giving baby doses five times a day. No more than that. Oh my God, you'll have a heart attack, right? That's their mindset. So going back to Mary's question, we would still have to break that mindset too. So that, that's really why I'm saying never, Mary, you know, never. You got to change these doctors' mindset that T3 is going to cause you to have a heart attack and break a bone. AFib and bone loss, that's, that's what they're hanging on to. Not true, debunked, false. But you got to get that out of the doctor's head. Here I have a patient reverse T3 of 24 on baby dose T3. We need to plummet her T4 and add in T3. That's how we're going to lower that because right there is the cause. Like you could see it in black and white. She's on a crap ton of T4, way too much. She's not converting. Now in the meantime, we'll still be looking for the why. But in looking at her labs, she was not estrogen dominant. She was not insulin resistant, a little bit low in mag, a little bit low in D, wasn't taking iodine. So those factors definitely come into play. And, and we will, we are adding in mag, adding in D, adding in iodine, doing all of those little things. But it could actually just come down to a genetic SNP. You could just, in your genes, have the DIO1, DIO2 SNP and not be a very good converter. And you will tend to push always, push that T4 to reverse T3, push the T4 to reverse T3. Now that reverse T3 stays high and you're doing all of the things, you're taking all of the supplements, 
you're taking all of the conversion factors, you lowered your T4, maybe you're down to 25 micrograms of T4 and you're like, what in the hell? Why is my reverse T3 at 20? Well, that might mean that you are T3 only. So if you truly do have agenetic SNP or both SNPs, you might be T3 only as well. So there are many, many things that cause an elevated reverse T3. So we want to look at all of those first and do the med changes first. Like I always say, I like to keep T4 in your mix if we can, because that's your savings account. That's a beautiful savings account right there. But if you are truly T3 only, then you are. And we just roll with it and we move that in that direction. You guys are so amazing with your questions. You really do. You really do. How should I know whether to take T3 or not with Hashimoto's? Well, we can go with just the, the in general stat that we have that only 2% do well on T4 only, 98% do well on T4 and T3 combined. But we can also say, if you're not on any medication whatsoever for your Hashimoto's, you really want to calm down the autoimmune response. So I would add in black cumin seed oil. I would be doing all of the things like going gluten-free, getting good sleep, like really nurturing my body. But then it really comes down to your labs. If you do not have optimal free T3 levels and you have all of the symptoms too. So you're gaining weight, you can't lose. And, and you can have a one or a combination of all of these. You are tired all the time. You're losing your hair. You're losing the outer corner of your eyebrows. You have joint pain, like we talked about earlier in the episode. If you're having all of the symptoms, then you need a little bit more optimization. And that might require bringing in T3 or at least the right medication for you. I'm currently on 15 micrograms of T3 in the morning. This is from Michelle and 10 micrograms in the afternoon. Noticing that I'm in a weight loss stall and feeling fatigued in the afternoon. Should I suggest to my PA to add in five in the afternoon? I'm on T3 only. Blood sugar fixer and thyroid fixer as well, BHRT. Just went for lab work this morning, so I don't have updated numbers. So the updated numbers, Michelle, are obviously going to help. But if we go by what happens during a weight loss stall and what happens if you're feeling fatigued in the afternoon, could it be your thyroid med dose? Yeah, absolutely. I would I would 100% take that up by an extra five in the afternoon, go 15, 15. And then you might even have to go a little bit higher because remember, we want to add in that five micrograms of T3. Number one, till we see those lab values go into the upper quadrant of the range of your free T3 and or until we see that reduction in symptoms. So if you're having a couple different symptoms that came on at the same time, that's telling me that it is time for an increase. And just adding in five may or may not do the trick. So you might have to increase even further and really be open because there's no common dose of T3. I get that question a lot as well. Well, what's an average dose of T3? It's the one that's going to work for you. There is no average. Have I seen patients optimized on 30 micrograms of T3? Yeah, absolutely. Have I seen like myself, 150 micrograms of T3? Yeah, absolutely. And everything in between, every single 
combination in between I have seen get someone optimized. There is no standard dosing that this is going to get you optimized. There's none. It's all about what's going to work for you. So you might need to increase the T3. The other thing I would like to suggest is putting thyroid fixer in in the afternoon as well. So you could take one in the morning, one in the afternoon. You could take two in the morning, one in the afternoon, because that does provide that ATP production at the cell level, at the mitochondrial level. And that's going to help with energy increasing. That's going to be something that you really want to look at that I think will improve both fronts. It's going to give you that extra little bump of improved basal metabolic rate. And it's going to give you a little bit more sustained energy in the afternoon. It's not an artificial energy. It's not the type of energy where you feel, you know, wired, like you just drank a million cups of coffee. It's not that at all. It is a very nice, steady, steady energy. And then we had a couple of other questions that absolutely have already been answered. So if you submitted a question, go back and listen to this again, because your answer is most likely weaved into the other answers. Because a lot of you have the same questions about what is what is causing that high reverse T3? How the heck do I get it down? We answered that. The only thing I didn't really go into is cortisol and cortisone. We had one question, which I'll bring up before I let you guys go. On a Dutch test, what can cause a low saliva or free cortisol total, but a mid-range to high metabolized total cortisol? So when we're talking about a Dutch test, the reason why I wanted to read this question is because it gets kind of convoluted. There are a couple of different ways of testing cortisol. And I've talked about adrenal fatigue, adrenal blowout. Next week, we're going to have Isabella Wentz on. She's going to be talking about her new book on adrenals. I think we use that term a little bit too often. It is very, very, the important thing to look at on a cortisol test is the pattern. So whether you do ZRT, which is a lot more affordable than Dutch, unless you're doing a Dutch to check the hormones and how they're methylated. The important thing on a cortisol test is the pattern. So cortisol should be high in the morning and gradually come down throughout the day. We want to be in that cortisol pattern and not too far out of. Now, if one marker is a little bit elevated, we can just kind of look at that marker in that point of the day. Let's say it's elevated as you're driving home from work and you're stressed out you got to help Johnny with his homework and you got to cook dinner still and it's 5.30 and you're in traffic. And then you get home and you're like, oh shit, I have to do this saliva test. And then you spit in a tube and that's going to be high. So that was just your point of time in the day where you were super stressed out. If you are flatlined low and you're not producing any cortisol whatsoever, that's a problem. And we want to look at autoimmune for that. If you are sky high, which I have honestly, I don't recall ever seeing that. I don't recall ever, ever, ever seeing someone high markers of cortisol all throughout the day. That's going to increase your blood glucose as well. That's very rare too, but that is another problem. So we really want to look at the range of where you fall in that that cortisol testing. And then beyond that, when we get into the Dutch, yes, you can start looking at cortisone and cortisol. And that would be, we'll have to do a, a deep dive Dutch test. In fact, you can go back and listen to Karen Martell diving into my Dutch test because she breaks down each marker. 
And that's really helpful to get into the weeds of the cortisol and cortisone. But for the purposes of just knowing your stress response and knowing your cortisol pattern, as it relates to thyroid, we want to check for super low and we want to check for super high. And we want to look to, to see maybe you did, maybe it's in the pattern of high in the morning and low in the afternoon, but all the markers are too high, meaning you're pumping out too much cortisol at every single point in the day. And that is going to affect your reverse T3 as well. So high cortisol can push up reverse T3 to low cortisol can actually make you intolerant to T3 or intolerant to increasing your T3. All right, you guys, this has been a tremendous amount of fun. As I said, I absolutely, absolutely love answering your questions on here. Keep them coming. Join the Facebook group. If you're listening to this and you're not in it yet, you should have FOMO, big time FOMO, because we have a lot of fun in this group. So we'll see you in there and keep your questions coming. I will be in the Girl Fix Your Thyroid group every week, every day if I can. And we're going to be doing some lives in there too, where it's just us that nobody else gets in. Nobody else gets to ask their questions unless you're in the group. So we're going to be doing some of that too. So make sure you join. And thank you so much for today and submitting all of your amazing questions. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you loved it. And as always, if you would be so kind to leave a review, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. I read all of them. Also, anything that you hear on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition. So we always recommend that you check with your medical provider, your doctor, your nurse practitioner before implementing anything that you hear on this podcast. And if you want to find out more about working together, you can click the link below in the show notes to book a discovery call. And there you'll be talking to a member of my team. They are an extension of me. They are amazing. And you and I will talk after that once we get you all signed up and you and I get to work together. All right. I hope to see you soon.